Agriculture gives rise to art during the long winters of Free Martintown. Farmers can only sharpen so many tools or put together so many jigsaw puzzles to pass the cold, dark evenings before you find them in the barn or garage, tinkering. Sometimes the farmers come up with adaptations to their implements. Sometimes they weld old pieces of scrap metal together and make chunk sculpture. I made me a woman, one farmer said to me one day, admiring a piece of sculpture that he'd made out of an old hot water heater. And sometimes the farmers take an old utilitarian object and transform it into a whimsical toy. Six-year-old Vernon Ropp farmed his whole life in addition to working 40 years at the John Deere dealership in town, selling tractors. Now, in the garage of his assisted living duplex, Vernon makes toy tractors from old treadle sewing machines. He paints them bright primary colors and uses them as lawn ornaments to decorate the large vegetable garden he keeps at home. People give him the sewing machines and he finds the toy tractor wheels at the Mennonite thrift shop and in garbage dumpsters. Everything I've got are in the 1880s, 1890, and I, I don't have anything 1900. They're all, so far, they're all in the 1883s, 1884, 1888, in that span. And, uh, you know, these are put together 100 years ago or more. Vernon was raised Old Order Amish on a farm, but when his mother and sisters came down with carbon monoxide poisoning from a faulty wood-burning stove and kerosene lamps, his family became Mennonite. Vernon's family, like Old Order Amish everywhere, spoke Dutch, a dialect of German, at home. Vernon went to a one-room Amish country school where the classes were all in English and the children were expected to learn the second language through total immersion. My folks were Amish and uh, they, uh, mother got sick and so she had two of my sisters, three of them were sick too in January in wintertime and uh, they couldn't figure out and doctor from town came out every day and checked her and Finally, they got help from the university and they came with uh, instruments and the high level of uh, carbon monoxide through the house. So there was no electricity north of Kelowna at that time. So dad and two of the neighbors got telephone poles and put them in two miles of, of uh, electricity was put in and, and uh, they were cooking with kerosene and kerosene lights and uh, chimney was bad in it. That built a new chimney and everything. So they left the 
Amish church because of electricity and they don't want to cause any problems. The Amish and Mennonites are members of peace churches that have had a long and difficult history in the United States. During World War I, members of peace churches were drafted and thrown into boot camp right alongside other soldiers. The draftees had to stand up against the forces around them, refusing to dress in a uniform, refusing to bear arms or go into battle. They were mocked, beaten, imprisoned, and even killed for their beliefs. Pacifism, the basis of Mennonite belief. Our discussion of pacifism must start with an examination of the basic points of the pacifist belief. It is a theory which involves a broad international peace movement and a belief that refusal to participate in military service is an effective method for bringing about the abolition of war. By the time World War II rolled around, Peace Church draftees could apply for conscientious objector, or CO, status and do alternative service. Often these men fought forest fires in the western United States or worked in hospitals. The principles of pacifism are a combination of biological, political, social, economic, moral, and religious considerations. It has been asserted that to engage in war is to go against the trend of evolution. Pacifism as a whole envisions an international organization based upon international law to establish amicable relations among all people. The Amish and Mennonites were not harassed as severely in World War II as they were in I, but they were native German speakers and their choices weren't popular in a war against the Nazis. Then the Nazis were defeated and Korea became the focus of the Cold War. Vernon was a CO in the Korean War. The demand of men and women throughout the world for international order and justice is one of the strongest forces in these troubled times. We've just had a vivid demonstration of that fact in Korea. The invasion of the Republic of Korea was a direct challenge to the principles of the United Nations. Vernon did his alternative service in a hospital in Chicago run by the Alexian brothers. I had a brother that did in World War II, uh, Ernie. He was going for two years. He worked in a mental hospital in uh, New Jersey. He started in the Black Hills, South Dakota, running a bulldozer, making uh, park national park, and then he got transferred in there to a, a mental institution, which I was strictly into a man's hospital, all male patients, all male and a big school of male nursing, it was 250 students. What was the name of that hospital again? Lexion Brothers. 
and uh, I washed windows the first three months, three, four floors high. Open up the window, crawl out on the windowsill, put a bucket of water. I'd crawl out. Well, the first floor we used step ladders, and there was rod, rod, uh, rod uh, closers all the first floor, like a jail, you might say. You had to work in rods, and then there's the second floor, third and fourth floor, and you crawl, work from the inside out, open the window, crawl out on the windowsill, and then the other guy would bring a bucket of water, put it by my legs, and give me a long-handled brush and close the window. And then I would wash the window. He would take it away, put another bucket of clear water, and do it again, and squeeze it and squeeze it. How many stories up were you? Four floors. Whoa. 85 feet, the highest peak and no safety, no shoulder straps or nothing. Anything from eight inches wide to a 10 inch wide windowsill. Oh. We stood and closed the window. <gasps> I did two windows, he did two windows, I did two windows, he did two windows. We washed every window in that hospital and monastery, student quarters every month once. I'll never forget that. And I'll never forget the blessing the priest gave us the first day. Don't look up. Don't look down. Concentrate. Concentrate on what you're doing. That's with anything. Once home, Vernon was a salesman for the John Deere dealership in town. He knew every tractor and other implement. And he was such a good salesman that John Deere gave him free trips around the world. On, on, on trips with John Deere? Yeah. Oh, wow, what did, we yeah. Do, what, what did you do in Spain and Acapulco? Just tourists. Just tourists? Yeah. I mean, that was yeah, like a vacation. perk? A perk yeah, for you? Yeah, oh yeah. Wow, yeah. you... Well, you know, they had a lot of incentives. If you made certain dollars incentives why you won this trip and it was a group trip there was usually uh, anywhere from 20 to 30 people in a group. Vernon also traveled doing additional service work. At one time he was head of the local Mennonite Disaster Service, a volunteer group of people who helped out in floods, hurricanes, and other emergencies. Through the church too I've been to uh, uh, Central America two, three times on a relief program that I was on, and then also to uh, uh, Bosnia right after the war there. To Bosnia? There. I was there for three weeks. And what were you doing uh, in Bosnia with the church? With the church. Uh, uh, there we uh, distribute uh, food and okay. clothing and so forth. Okay. Disaster board. I've been on that. Oh, have you been on the Mennonite Disaster oh, yeah. Board? Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. The National Board? Yeah. Wow, yeah. Vernon. That took me all over. Where at all did you go on the, with that? That's I. I've, that's United one of my favorite States. organizations. That's where I give my money when there's a disaster. United States. Uh, I, well, I went Saragossa, Texas. That big uh, uh, 
tornado hit there, I took, uh, uh, I think there was 10 or was there 12 Old Order Amish boys with me. We went down there and worked for three weeks. Wow. That was an experience with them and with the natives there too. And uh, Sarah goes to Texas. And I've been to, oh, I've been around in Iowa pretty much. And uh, I don't know. I could have kept a diary, but I couldn't have read it if I kept it. <laughs> <laughs> Vernon also headed up a pork canning plant that brought food to needy people. He traveled internationally with the canned meat to feed the poor and destitute. Canning. There was a Mennonite meat canning, and uh, my folks, they had a truck go around to the Mennonite and the Amish communities and can beef. Oh, right. Can beef, right. hogs, pork. Right. Yeah, and I was on that board, and so in uh, uh, we canned here uh, out at the uh, uh, oh. Floyd Helmut's farm for three days and nights. We can uh, 18,000 pounds of turkey. I was in charge of that for five, six years. And that was all shipped overseas. Everything of that was shipped overseas. That was a big project. And we had to quit this year because of the dynamic of stuff. This is the first year we didn't do it for quite a while. That's incredible. To you, you've been in charge of a lot of things. And I remember when this was built, I worked here. And this was built in 1957 or 56. I came back from 1W in 1955, farmed the home place and worked for my brother down at the uh, farm equipment. Yeah, I'm a local yokel around here, <laughs> and yet I saw the world. But now Vernon's travels are over, his tractors parked in his garden. When he isn't tending his vegetables, he is filling his 18 bird feeders and deadheading the flowers in the planters throughout the grounds of the home. And then he heads into his house to put the polishing touches on a jigsaw puzzle and watch the finches outside his window. After spending the day with Vernon in his garden with his toy tractors all around, I realized that most of us are more than what we have in our gardens. We are what's underneath. We are the soil itself. And Vernon's soil is made up of a deep religious belief and the way 
he practices that is through selflessness. Not only was he a pacifist in the Korean War, again, not a popular choice in any war, but particularly in the 1950s, but then he went on to dedicate himself to serving others. I find it so interesting that Vernon Ropp intersected with the Alexian brothers in Chicago. And the Alexian brothers go all the way back to the 1400s in Europe. And they were a group of lay volunteer men, uh, not too much unlike Vernon, who helped people during the plague. And they went outside the city gates and walls and helped the outcast. If you were sick with the plague, you were essentially thrown out of the city and left to die under the walls. And Vernon went all over the world trying to help the poor and the destitute. And they're just intersections in life that are astounding. The Alexian brothers were persecuted during their time in Europe for their good works. And the Amish and Mennonite were persecuted at the same time in Europe for their beliefs. The Catholics and the Amish and Mennonites have had a rocky history because who was it that was persecuting the Amish and the Mennonites? Here in one man, they come together, belief systems, thoughts of resisting what's wrong in the world, in the biblical terms, the evil in the world, and helping us all to see a new model, a new evolution of what could happen, what we could all become. Information and readings about conscientious objection on today's podcast came from pamphlets, one called Non-Resistance and Pacifism by John R. Muma, and Basic Issues in Nonconformity by John C. Wenger. Today, we want to thank Dean Gray for his musical scoring. He's a multi-talented artist in New York City. I met Dean years ago through his mother-in-law, who saw one of my plays, Farmscape, at the Lisbon, Iowa Public Library. Thank you, Joe, for your support of the arts and your support of a host of other people in your lifetime.
And that brings our podcast to a close. We've been recording from our studio in friendly downtown Fremartentown and had technical assistance from our wizard, Marco Tulio Cacho. We had support today from many of you and want to extend special thanks to the Ellathorpe Werner Fund at the Oregon Community Foundation and to the Calio Levine Fund and its endowment of an ag arts farm to artist residency. Donations can be made at www.patreon.com agarts and by clicking that red donate button on our website, www.agarts.org, A-G-A-R-T-S dot org. Please follow and like us at agartsusa on Facebook and Instagram. And sign up for our newsletter on our mailing list at agarts.org.